Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you along with Dr. Lori Nadell, a uh, psychotherapist, author, of course, a couple of her books, The Five Gifts, and Dr. Lori Nadell's Sixth Sense, and former CBS News producer out of the area in New York. She's a New York Times columnist as one of the millions who is at high risk for COVID-19. Lori carries her tools for stress control wherever she travels. A New York native taking her message virtually around the world and here she is back on Coast to Coast. Lori, what a time, huh? Hey, George. Uh, thank you so much for having me back. You know, the Chinese say, may you live in interesting times. And my mother taught me when I was really young, if you don't like the food, say it's interesting, and you won't offend anybody. That's true, and I have a feeling the Chinese uh, have created an interesting time for us. Lori, what do you think? <laughs> Yeah, there there certainly uh, are some questions about that. Uh, one way or another, it uh, does seem to have uh, drifted around the world from um, a strange little pocket of uh, China. I was, Very odd. It is odd. I was talking earlier, April is Stress Awareness Month. Isn't that kind of strange? Uh, well, it's an interesting synchronicity. You know, Carl Jung called synchronicity a meaningful coincidence. And I think this definitely qualifies. What kind of stress are we talking about? Why are people so stressed out? Is it because they're confined in the home, because they think it's a dangerous disease? What What's causing the stress? Well, I, I think that when we talk about stress, I mean, first, we always think that stress is um, negative, like, oh, I'm so stressed or I'm so stressed out. But, but stress means how the body responds to change. So if somebody calls and tells you, you know, you just won the lottery or you've just gotten the promotion that you've been waiting for. That's what we call eustress, E-U from the Greek, you know, as in uh, euphoric. Um, it means positive or uplifting stress. But the other kind of stress is called distress, uh, meaning unpleasant or unhealthy stress or unwanted stress. So when we're looking at distress, we have everyday stress, and we have what we have now, which is called acute stress. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes it's called traumatic stress. And and trauma is not a bad hair day. Um, I say that, you know, people laugh, but we, we say, oh, my God, my hair looks terrible, and uh, I, have to, I have to go for a job interview. I, it was so traumatic for me. That's not traumatic. Traumatic means that you experienced or witnessed or were close to somebody who came very close to unexpected death or you witnessed um, a, a violent, disturbing uh, scene, or you were part of that kind of an event, and it could be a near miss on the highway. So we're now facing a plague in which um, it's random, um, it's destructive, it could hit any one of us, um, whether or not uh, we're high risk for it. Uh, it's taking a lot of young, healthy people, and it's bringing us face-to-face with our mortality. Now, on top of that, for safety reasons, uh, we've been told to quarantine and isolate. And so our way of life has been ripped away. Our normal patterns, habits, and routines, the things that we did for comfort, even the social support that we got by going to work every day or taking our kids to school, all of that has been taken away. And it's very disruptive to the body and to the mind, and it produces a flood of stress hormones that are very similar to what happens to first responders or 
soldiers who mm-hmm. have survived uh, a, a tour of duty. Like PTSD and stuff like that? There's similarities there. Exactly. You know, it's actually in the same family as PTSD. PTSD sets in uh, six months or later after a traumatic event. And uh, acute stress, which we'll talk about the symptoms in, in just a moment, acute stress is in the family, in the PTSD family. Now, if you remember, I think we, we spoke a few months ago, the National Institutes of Health declared PTSD a national epidemic six months ago in June, or actually it's more, more like almost a year ago in June, and they identified 44 million Americans, of whom only 6 million are veterans, as struggling with PTSD. And that's the tip of the Jeez. iceberg, because those were the people who actually showed up for diagnosis and treatment. But just like now, we're flooded with, uh, with feelings of dread and waiting for the other shoe to drop and um, a tremendous feeling of uh, like normal has just been ripped away from underneath our feet. And the regular road that we thought we were walking on from day to day is just suddenly, it's, it's like it's been napalmed. And we're wandering around in, in, a, in a land or a landscape that has no familiar landmarks. And, and we're filled with a sense of helplessness and horror. Now, that's understandable because we're facing this indiscriminate, random disease that, that seems to be you know, killing people uh, of all different ages, of all different health profiles. The people who are high risk are not necessarily the people who are getting hit. Uh, you see a lot of uh, healthy people who are getting uh, very, very badly sick. I know, I know several myself. Uh, fortunately, they're recovering. But uh, it's, it's like an invisible, random, silent stalker. And we are bombarded with information. And so it's permeating our consciousness. And that is creating a kind of mass uh, PTSD type of epidemic that is, is kind of layered over what we would normally be experiencing this month as everyday stress. Doesn't acute stress weaken your immune system? Oh, absolutely. Acute stress, um, you know, it floods us with all kinds of uh, hormones. Our muscles tense up and, uh, you know, it, it actually can depress the immune system and the, the, the feeling of dread and the feeling of excitability, like, like you want to jump out of your skin, uh, that kind of severe anxiety is actually resulting in a lot of unnecessary false alarm calls to 911, which is further overloading our healthcare system. So it's very dangerous. Um, knowing the signs, which we can talk about, and what we can do is very important to protect ourselves and our families from the stress getting out of control. What about being isolated? Does that add to the stress for people, Lori? It does add to the stress for people. Isolation, you know, it's kind of counterintuitive because uh, very often when people are traumatized, and I'm thinking about the work that I've done with first responders after Parkland, uh, September 11th, we have a tendency when when we're traumatized to kind of pull in and pull away from people because we're in shock. And one of the things that, you know, the, the Red Cross tells people and uh, my organization tells people is um, try not to isolate, spend time with people, don't eat alone, even if you're, even if you're, you're having a virtual chat or a virtual meal with other people. 
So, so the, the tendency with shock is to kind of isolate, but when it's forced on us, uh, it, it really feels more like confinement or house arrest. And so that adds a whole other layer because we're used to and we are entitled to and we expect freedom of movement. It's almost like that's an unwritten right in our Bill of Rights is freedom of movement. And, and part of our collective myth as Americans is the great frontier. It's pushing forward. It's going into the unknown. It's being able to get in your SUV and drive up to the top of a mountain, um, even if you don't like heights and you don't particularly care for mountains. But it's our right to do that. And it's very much embedded in our consciousness. And that right has been taken away. And so we're, we're all experiencing this as a form of traumatic shock and traumatic grief. I've got, uh, when I'm in St. Louis, as I am now, Lori, uh, a favorite restaurant that I go to hours before the show starts. And, you know, I love the people who work there, and it's just a great way to get my day really going before the program. And, you know, I spend about an hour there and then uh, come back and finish up the show, and then I'm on the air. But it's closed now because of everything that's going down. Missouri's in a lockdown like a lot of other states are now. And I got to tell you, I miss this place, it, it, and I miss the camaraderie, and I miss the fact that, you know, people would come and go and say, hi, I'm, what's on the air tonight, what's your show about, and I miss that. Oh, of course you miss it, because it's, it's one of the uh, kind of rituals of social support. Um, it's an anchor for you, and when, when you when you get to St. Louis and and you know the restaurant is there, and you know that you're going to go in, it, it it's one of the things that gives you social support and an anchor that makes you feel safe and at home. And a lot of those anchors, or as I call them, landmarks, have been taken away because we no longer have the uh, the restaurants, uh, the um, the stores that we go to, the places where we make eye contact in New York, a lot of people would stop at a newsstand downstairs in their office building and talk to the person at the newsstand and, um, you know, maybe um, you know, get a cup of coffee or pick up, uh, in the old days, we'd get a newspaper and go back up to our desk. And, and all of those uh, little places where we stop along the way to make eye contact and say hello have been yanked away. And uh, that adds to the feeling of not feeling safe in our own skin. Now, with trauma, we really don't feel safe in our own skin. And I can tell you for myself, I, I, uh, I was diagnosed with PTSD in my 20s because, uh, as you know, I was, a, uh, I was a reporter for Newsweek and United Press in Chile uh, during the state of siege after the military came into power and uh, overthrew and assassinated President Salvador Allende, who had been elected through democratic process. Oh, that's right. And uh, I was interviewing somebody for Newsweek, and he suddenly turned hostile, and he informed on me to the junta. And he said, you know, there's a reporter here from Newsweek, and she's asking all these questions about the number of disappeared. And my friends had to uh, put me in hiding because I was uh, living with a family uh, who had somebody who was a political prisoner in, uh, actually in a concentration camp, uh, because he had been a, a government minister. And I, I was in hiding for several days, and at one point before I left, there was a knock at the door. And I just remember the, the, the icy chills that went down my spine. Um, it wasn't until a year later that I woke up one night and there was a bang outside in the street. 
and I was I was curled up under my bed like in a fetal position and I realized I was waiting for the secret police to come and take me away and um and this was in the 70s we didn't know anything about PTSD but a truck had gone over a manhole cover which as you know in New York it makes a horrible like mm-hmm. crackling sound almost like a little grenade going off and uh, this continued and so I was actually diagnosed with post-traumatic stress, Jeez. and I was told, well, now that you know what it is, it'll go away. And eventually it did, but it returned after Hurricane Sandy, where I, I lost my house in Hurricane Sandy in 2012. So the thing that I've come to learn, and, and it became my specialty after 20 years of working in the news business, uh, I wanted to be able to help people who were dealing with, with trauma because it's very sneaky, and it can hit you years later when you're not expecting it. It's like it lives, it's like it, it, it itself, uh, like acute stress and post-traumatic stress, they, they live in your cell, it lives in your cells like a retrovirus that can come back years later. Kind of like if you've had chicken pox and years later mm-hmm. it becomes shingles. It can affect your life in sudden, unexpected, and very disturbing ways. And so it's really important right now when millions of us are, are genuinely traumatized because we are, we are facing our own mortality, whether we like it or not, and we're in shock. It's really important to know how to recognize the, sound, the signs of acute stress and what we can do to, to find a place of inner safety because we can't control what's going on outside, but we can learn how to control our state or manage our state so that the, the acute stress doesn't completely take over and damage our immune system and cause us to live in a state of panic. And what are some of those signs of acute stress, Lori? Well, this is uh, from a handout that uh, we, we give to first responders. Uh, physically, we can be feeling um, fatigue, nausea, uh, twitching, uh, you can vomit, you can feel dizzy, weak, um, you're, you can get headaches, chest pain. Anxiety. can go up and anxiety, definitely uh, fear, guilt, grief, panic, which is also an extreme form of anxiety, irritability. And what's interesting, uh, I think, is that Governor Cuomo uh, in New York State addressed this yesterday, and he said that as we're going into the second month of stay-at-home, which um, I, I think of as confinement, literally, because you're, you're kind of forced to stay home, that um, the isolation is leading to irritability, it's leading to severe anxiety, um, it's causing people to have uh, outbursts of anger, uh, domestic violence is up, and uh, one of the other tragic dark sides is that we have uh, children who are being uh, sexually or physically or emotionally Jeez. abused. I bet suicides are, are up trapped. too. Are suicides yeah. up? That's right. And, and is going to include uh, in, increase uh, as long as people feel people feel overwhelmed with helplessness and horror, and that's really when we're talking about trauma, we're talking about acute stress, we're talking about an event that fills us with helplessness and horror. And part of the anxiety is living with this premonition, the sense of dread that another shoe is going to drop, that something else that's tragic or life-threatening lurks just around the corner. And, um, and that, that, that can become a pervasive fear, especially because of the amount of news 
that we're exposed to on our phones and on our devices and on our televisions. So it's really important to take a news break. It's really important to turn off your phone yeah. for at least an hour. Um, you know, eat lunch uh, with somebody on Zoom and turn off your phone or take a walk or take a nap in the afternoon, but turn off your phone for at least an hour a day so that you're not being literally invaded by intrusive and disturbing information and images. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.